Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists, and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories, learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community. And that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips.
Hey, Dave, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks for taking the time to join us. It's my pleasure. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, you know, I came across you by way uh, of my friend Yana, and she sent me this video uh, about your story. And I thought, okay, that guy is somebody that I not only want to talk to, I want to actually be friends with him and hang out with him. Uh, So tell us a a bit about your story, your background, and, and kind of how that has led you into the work that you're doing today. Well, I guess it all started about nine years ago. I was a graphic designer about two years uh, and definitely not so fresh out of university. And I I'd ended up doing a, a degree that I wasn't really enamored with. I just did it because I had to do something if I was going to go to uni and everybody goes to uni, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I came out of university, ended up getting a job as a graphic designer, which was in no way related to the course that I'd studied. And you know, on paper, I was a completely successful Western adult. I had the cat, the house, the long-term partner, and the job, of course. And I woke up on the morning of my 25th birthday, and the cat was on my chest. Her name was Kiwa. And I just looked into her big brown slash green eyes and just realized she was about to have an amazing day, a day that she totally was going to enjoy. She was going to go hunting. She was going to be fed a couple of times. She could pretty much sleep. You know, she was smiling. She knew what was about to happen. She seemed happy. I was the opposite. You know, I was this 25-year-old guy who'd basically gotten so comfortable. I had no ambition left. I spent eight hours a day playing PlayStation. I was doing a job that didn't challenge me creatively or futuristically. I had absolutely nothing, really, that stood me out from from other humans. And someone asked me the other day, um, in fact, it was the day that I met our mutual friend, Jana, mm-hmm. um, has anybody ever, you know, did anyone inspire you at that time? You know, who, who was it who kind of gave you this, this nudge out of that lifestyle? And the answer is no one, really. I was just less than inspired by myself. So (laughs) that morning, having that conversation with the cat, I just realized that, you know, everything was wrong, apart from my relationship with the cat, which I loved. The relationship was stale, it needed to break, um, but it was easier to stick where it was. The job wasn't good, I wasn't really going anywhere with it. Sure, it paid me money, but I needed to break it, but it was easier to stay with that job, and I'd done so for a few years. And the house just kind of stuck me in this in this one town in Swansea in South Wales, which the poet Dylan Thomas called the graveyard of ambition. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was basically living, living Thomas's dream. And uh, from then, the, the idea started to boil. And for six months, I, I thought about what needed to change, how I could do it, whether I had the guts. Um, I went snowboarding and just loved this feeling of riding a board across this crisp mountain snow. I wasn't so good at it, but I did like the idea of getting better, of kind of creating a mastery or at least not wasting several hundred pounds just to spend a week lying down in the mountain snow next time I went. So I made myself a promise on the bus back to Grenoble Airport on the way home that next time I went snowboarding, I'd be much better. And my brother and my girlfriend were on that holiday with me. And one of the things that broke a few days later was the relationship. The girlfriend had the balls, not me. She left, mm-hmm. uh, which was a good thing. But back to Grenoble Airport, my brother handed me a magazine just at the very moment I was thinking, I need to be better at snowboarding. I need to do this. This gave me you know, some love, some passion like I'd never felt. And he handed me a magazine and right at the bottom of the page, on an open page, just by chance, I hadn't voiced it to anyone, there was an advert for a longboard, a long skateboard, and the tagline was, rides like a snowboard, but on tarmac. So I got myself my first skateboard just a few days later. I basically replaced the relationship with a long skateboard. And within two weeks, I'd fallen in love. This town I'd lived in for six years, it looked different because I was traveling around it in a different way. And I skated into work, quit my job, and made myself a promise to skateboard further than anybody else had ever skated. And I'd been doing it for two weeks, and I kept my promise and never looked back. Hmm. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, a lot of questions, obviously, uh, you know, they, they come from the very beginning of this. You know, you mentioned this moment of waking up on your 25th birthday and staring this cat in the face and, and having this sort of realization 
And, you know, I think we're all to some degree comfortable or we get comfortable. And I'm wondering, are there things that we can do to bring about that moment? Or do you think it's, do we have to hit rock bottom to get there? You know, it's a question that I think about very often now. And, you know, part of my work now, uh, a few years on, is uh, doing personal and sometimes small group or relationship counseling in terms of trying to find one's purpose. And I really don't think now that you need to hit rock bottom. I think usually when you get comfortable, one one thing is it kills your ambition. And secondly, you don't think. You are so ingrained into a way of living. It's nice and easy. Things seem to be working, especially in the societal expected way. You know, your job pays for your house. You can pay for your car, your food, your relationship. You go out with your friends. Maybe if you're not enjoying your job so much, you probably replace the happiness that you probably should be getting between Monday to Friday by going out and getting superbly drunk on the weekends, maybe buying some little shiny gadgets rather than just, you know, loving life for what it is, for the free stuff, the beautiful stuff. So as soon as you start thinking about it, and of course, hitting rock bottom is a brilliant way to force, to drive that thought process. Um, So that's usually where it happens. But if you're kind of living a fairly mediocre life, some things are good, some things are bad. I think most of us can relate to that at some point or another. I think the thing that really opens up the 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 wavelengths the thought waves is getting outside disconnecting from our computers from our phones and going out and spending some time off grid hibernating and that can take the form of just a simple micro adventure uh you know between your 5 p.m and your 9 a.m maybe go out and sleep on a hill or you go on a longer adventure or a journey not just a backpacking trip anybody can do that but actually a journey with a purpose where you push yourself physically and mentally and I had no idea that that was a really beautiful way of rediscovering yourself back when I started. I just felt the need to do more new things. I was doing the same thing every single day for the first four years of my 20s. And I guess every day just drifted into the next. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I can barely remember any of it, really. There's little flashpoints, almost as though I'm trying to recall my childhood from three, four years old. But ever since then, I, I can remember you know, something pretty stark happening almost every single week, if not every single day for the last few years, because I make it my purpose to do new things all of the time. And that's the only way we develop as people. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's one other thing that you said uh, that really intrigued me. You know, you said it's easier to stay kind of where we're at um, and you have to figure out, you know, do you have the guts to go out and, you know, do something to try something new? And I'm really curious, uh, one, uh, sort of, you know, when you're looking at your life and you're saying, you know, this is easy. I mean, it was easy to stay in, a, in the places I was in, uh, you know, many years ago it was, you know, and, and guts are something you have to cultivate. And I'm curious, you know, how over time you have cultivated sort of this courage to, to keep, you know, pushing edges, I guess, is, is one way to look at it. I think I think the thing that really stands out is when you make your your first big decision to you know call it jumping out of your box leaving your community ignoring the noise however you want to to box it up as soon as you do that you realize it wasn't so bad you know when 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 you're planning something even now when I'm planning an expedition all of the dangers are on paper or there are people emailing me, having heard about my plans, saying, have you thought about this? What about this? You may die, you know. And then once you get there, you just realize it's just a new phase of life. There's nothing to be worried about. And sure, you're learning constantly, but survival is, uh, it's not even at the forefront of your mind, even in the most dangerous situations, because, of course, you know, where our instinct is to be alive. So that takes us right back to the beginning. And There is nothing like being alive. And for me, doing the same thing day in, day out, making the same decisions, usually saying no to to things when really I should have said yes, it would have enriched me. That was like being dead. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that sets humans apart from anything else, anyone else, any other creature on the planet, is that we're capable of this long-term forward thinking, this ambition, this uh, aspiration, the ability to improve ourselves through our own choice and therefore action and if you choose to live a sedentary life you may look back and think 
oh yeah, you know, I did a pretty good job. I did, you know, I earned a hell of a lot of money. I raised a nice family. I did all of this. I did all of that. But is that really good enough? And that's a question I I try and ask everybody that I meet. Um, usually, you know, maybe we have a couple of sentences before we get really into <laughs> deep stuff. <laughs> but I, I'm more and more as time goes on, I really struggle to see the point in us being here unless we improve ourselves endlessly. And whilst being comfortable for a short-term period, maybe when we need a rest, a rest after a big work project or, in my case, usually a big expedition, of course you need to be comfortable. You need to be able to have that space to relax and heal. But at the same time, having the courage to make all of these brand new choices to really develop yourself, move on to new places, to new things, it's not courage once you've done it a few times. It's just common sense. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, one other thing uh, from the very beginning of the conversation, you said you were working as a, a graphic designer. And one of the things you said was that you could look at this life and you could see that it wasn't satisfying you creatively or futuristically. futuristically. And it seems like when you decided that you wanted to search for those things or reconnect with whatever it is that would satisfy you uh, creatively and futuristically, you seem to arrive at a sense of mission and purpose, uh, both physically and mentally. And I've asked multiple versions of this question to numerous people. You know, I feel like that is something that we have as children and we lose it as adults. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you get back in touch with it. I mean, for you, it sounds like it happened, uh, you know, through a skateboard. I mean, as <laughs> we're looking at our own lives, I mean, how do we get back to that and reconnect with that sort of fire that, that keeps us um, looking for these new adventures? Well, I think it's very easy as as adulthood adulthood takes hold and you know suddenly responsibilities start to weigh our shoulders down. It's really easy to lose that feeling of uh jubilant excitement at even the most basic and small things. And you know, some people call that maturing. Um but I think it I think it's really a really sad part of our society now. And, you know, quite often we'll see someone sing loudly in the street for no apparent reason. I think that's a beautiful thing, but quite a lot of people would, you know, take a few steps around that person because they think they're crazy. And what I, what I realize, especially when I'm on my own, on these big expeditions, you know, heading across remote landscapes or paddling down a river is, I slowly regress a little bit in terms of I don't mind singing out loud. I don't mind exclaiming. Uh, an eagle flying overhead i don't mind just making myself laugh with something really silly like a like a rubbish joke mm -hmm. you know and the most basic things excite me and what i really tried to do ever since i got onto my skateboard and i completely accept a skateboard is a really random and weird catalyst to change one's life for the better <laughs> but uh, and but i but i completely advocate that that ability to take something that last week didn't seem so important and transform it into something that turns life on its head. It's just a beautiful thing. And I, I, I literally challenge everybody who's listening to this podcast, walk around your house, walk around your neighborhood, your village, your town, something that's familiar to you and just look at everything a little bit longer than you usually would and consider what else it could be used for. You know, go and dance around your lampposts you know, get onto a skateboard and realize that a hill that you walk down every single day is actually superb fun. And it's not a grueling task. It's just an ability to see life for what it really could be as opposed to what it is right now. And being able to shape all of those things purely by thinking, what can I do with this that's new? That takes me right back to my childhood. And, and I, I'm shamelessly, you know, happy to be thought of as kind of probably the child of my friendship groups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, I think pretty much everybody else in those groups would happily exchange their lives for mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I can relate to some degree. I think I, I may be considered the child of my friendship group. <laughs> well, let's do this. Um, let's shift gears. Let's, let's start talking specifically about each one of these adventures. Uh, I mean, what was the goal with the skateboard? And of course, you know, um, what became sort of the purpose and mission of, of, you know, what you decided to do with these adventures? Uh, because I know I've, I've seen the video, but not everybody listening who has, and I really want to get into this story because I, I loved it. I mean, immediately I was like, 
this guy is awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. I, that, it's just really cool for me to you know hear that someone even just saw that six minute video about the last few years of my life and and you know enjoyed it, related to it somehow. And I guess I guess the theme for me is that having a purpose on your journey, whatever your journey may be, is absolutely essential to making life memorable, but also to guiding you on your next step. And also another key is, you know, that purpose that you set out with, it may not be the purpose two years down the line or 10 years further. Mm-hmm. It's allowed to change, you know, as we change, as our ideals change and our values and our experiences and our memories, naturally, the way we, we view things and our priorities are going to differ as well. So being able to evolve and adapt with that is just part of, you know, living, living a really wholesome, mindful life. So when I started off, I guess all I really wanted to do was escape the world I was living in. I literally just wanted to get away and give myself some new experiences. I wanted to be proud of myself because up until then I just simply wasn't. So the skateboard journey was, you know, just an idea. We all travel ultimately because we want to experience something new. So we want something to talk about. So uh, I guess so we want to create some new memories. And for me, it was exactly that. I just figured I love this feeling of skateboarding around the town. So I could have that new feeling, that discovery every single day if I went on a journey. It was that simple. Once I got to the end of that trip, I was offered a book deal almost immediately. I mean, I skated for five months and almost 4,000 miles across Australia. And I was I was lost by the end. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I wanted to go. But I did know that I was capable of so much more than I'd ever previously given myself credit for. So having an ability to write a book and the joy at seeing, you know, a book that you've really worked hard on, on a shelf in a bookstore where people can buy it alongside Bill Bryson and Michael Palin and Stephen King, all of these people that I'd read books of and never really believed that I'd have one of my own. Bang, I was there. So now what? I played around for about three years, just trying new things. But I was absolutely determined that I would never, ever get back into a graphic design job. On the on the side, I designed the odd website here and there just to get money coming in. But I think slowly in that first phase of my adventurous lifestyle, um, my values slowly moved towards living more simply, cutting down my outgoings in order to not have to do things that I didn't enjoy just because I needed money. There's nothing I... There's nothing I hate more. So as soon as I kind of realized that I could live super cheaply and that actually it would be cheaper for me to go on an expedition than rent a place in London, I started going on expeditions. So the skateboard finished in early 2007. By the end of 2009, I finally realized that it was all of the factors and the facets of a good old endurance adventure that I truly missed. And I wanted to do another one. So I went back to Australia and got in a kayak and paddled for two and a half months, two and a half thousand kilometers along this river that the Murray that was pretty empty at the time. I, at any point of this journey, I could have got out and just stood up in the water. There was so little of it, but it was just deep enough for me to paddle um, the whole length. I got to the sea and then thought, right, this is it. You know, I, I love this feeling of being outdoors, of living simply, of feeling so much more content when I wake up in my tent than I ever did when I woke up in my house with my man, with my you know man cave and two sofa-sized beanbags and you know playing PlayStation on, admittedly, what was an epic ten-meter-wide projection screen. <laughs> you know, I I loved I loved that part of my life, but I think I loved it for slightly skewed reasons, and then you know, being fit, being healthy, having this purpose, even if the purpose at the time was, I just need to get to the ocean in my kayak. It started to develop things about me. And um, by the time I got to the end of that journey, just before Christmas 2009, I realized that I wanted to do adventure as a living. And then, you know, I, I could just see life shaping itself around that. It became simple. And that simplicity is something that I think we we lose if we if we kind of head off on I guess somebody else's path Um, and I always advocate that we should definitely spend a good year doing a job that we absolutely hate so we know what we're missing (laughs) or what we're not missing when we end up doing something we love yeah absolutely well more questions obviously um, as you've gathered by now Uh, you know it's interesting Uh, so a couple of questions you know one of the things that you said 
was that through this process, you discovered that you were capable of something you had no idea you were capable of. And I mean, to me, that's such a that is such a moment uh, for any creative person or any person who wants to do things in the world that push edges. And I'm wondering how we get to that. Like, how do we discover that capacity in ourselves? Well, I think there's there's a few different ways to do it. I can I can say categorically now to anybody listening that there is something out there that is totally unique to you. It's a combination of not just your skills and uh, likes and dislikes even, but combine those with your personality, your experience, and also the drive that maybe you don't even know you've got right now. And there's something perfectly unique that at some point, if you pursue it, will make you brilliant. And most likely you'll be able to make a living from it as well. And there's nothing better than that overarching need or urge to make a living from something you absolutely love. So I guess if you kind of start at that final dot and then start working back, you know, and find yourself right now here uh, on the 24th of July, 2014, thinking, right, I need a big change in my life. And I feel like there must be something out there that absolutely must be a way for me to, you know, live according to my passions. But how? If you don't create a path or the next dot, or maybe both at the same time, you're not going to get there. It's that simple. So taking a decision that probably at, at the beginning, in fact, no, not probably, absolutely without certain, <laughs> without a lack of certainty is really uncomfortable for you and probably uncomfortable for the people around you too. If you take that decision, it just leads to good things. And the next one isn't so hard and the next one's slightly easier and on and on and on. It's always that first step that feels just incalculably difficult because you, you're scared. You don't know where it's going to lead mm -hmm. and you might fail and people might laugh. Sure as hell, people are always thinking you shouldn't do this. They're telling you, you know, the reasons that you shouldn't do it, but they're just projecting their own fears onto you because if you do this, you're going to be different. Mm -hmm that will make them the same as everybody else. That's usually how it starts. But that also makes it really difficult for you to make that decision. So I guess the only thing I can say to that is you have to, I think we have to realize that the only thing really that we're in control of is how we spend our time. Mm -hmm. And it's our time. It's not anybody else's. And usually the people around you, the friends and family members who, who love us, who are willing to kind of say, are you really sure you want to do this? <laughs> the right idea. They're doing it from the goodness of their own hearts, partly. But at the same time, it's nobody else's decision than yours. And if it excites you, if you feel like fireworks are going off inside you, if you know that this could lead somewhere, however crazy or zany it seems, just do it. Uh -huh. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah, I, uh, I would completely agree. So let me ask you this. I mean, you said, you know, there's effectively what is happening is you're making a decision without any certainty. And I don't imagine that you decided to leap one day and, you know, every, these adventures are all free of any troubles or uh, free of any, you know, moments in which you're like, what the hell am I doing? Because I've seen your adventures. Those don't seem <laughs> like they would come without their challenges. So uh, two, two questions around this. Uh, one uh, is you know, navigating the uncertainty of such a decision in a way that is emotionally healthy uh, and enables you to do all this, you know, while keeping a smile on your face, you know, when, when things get hard, uh, when things get rough, because in any one of these types of journeys, I, I've never once talked to anybody who said, you know what, I walked out my door and life was perfect the day <laughs> that I started this. And I'm really curious. I want to hear actually about some of the darker moments of your story um, and the challenges that you've experienced. And then, of course, you know, how we navigate those in our own lives. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's just a perfect point. If you, if you think that life is just perfect and rosy 100% of the time, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not easy, um, and I think as we've as we've already discussed, I think the easiest thing is just to get yourself settled in a job that maybe you don't like, but at least it pays the money. You know, you're going to get food and a pension and uh, a life and a family for the rest of your life, and just just fine if you want something perfect and and probably mainly rosy. At the same time, I think being able to overcome the doubt, the dark spots, those moments of of real doubt. Um, not necessarily danger or risk, but those moments when you doubt yourself and your own capability, they are so much more prevalent when you decide to embark on a life which is ultimately creative. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always going to find yourself questioning yourself and uh, quite quickly, um, especially if you're on the steep road to success, even if it doesn't seem like you're on the road to success at the time. If you start taking control of things in your life, you're the one who's going to question yourself more than anybody. And that's what really counts. So, you know, immediately that kind of noise of everybody around you trying to influence your decisions becomes masked by your own potential doubts. And you know as well as I, we were talking about this just before we came on air, you know, sometimes things just work brilliantly. They're just flying along. And for months on end, you feel like you're on top of your game. And then things come crashing down around, maybe one, two, three, all of the projects that you've been working on, suddenly you start to see holes in them. Sometimes that's just your own doing. Maybe you've, maybe you've done something. Maybe you've just thought something. Maybe you didn't, you know, maybe last week you just didn't get 
eight hours sleep every night and suddenly you feel tired and there's a bit of negativity in all of this. And I, I've, been, I've been going really well for the last nine or ten years. There have definitely been dark dark periods in that not just on expeditions but usually in between them Mm -hmm. and it's how you deal with these dark phases the positivity that comes out of them and your ability to you know realize the lessons that you've just learned even if they don't feel like lessons that totally shape the next stages and if you deal with it properly if you realize that hell you know life is supposed to have some dark dark spots you know and we're supposed to shine some light on them if you realize that when you wake up in the morning and things are low or when you get that email that means the last three months work has been absolutely useless if you realize that is meant to happen and that you can just turn that at some point into something stronger Mm -hmm. then nothing can get you down absolutely nothing you know it might be rubbish for a while um but i'm what i'm saying is i'm condoning the fact that it's just a rite of passage. Um, if, if everything was really easy, if everything was really, really simple all of the time, then you're probably doing the wrong thing. Hmm. I love that. You, so I want to dig a little bit deeper into this. Can you talk about some of the physical challenges that you've had on some of these adventures and in some of these darker moments and how those physical challenges have actually shaped you mentally going forward? Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm really excited to kind of have to answer this question. <laughs> it's uh I'm I'm not the most supreme athlete at all. You know, I'm I'm just a, a kind of a, a a middle height, um, middle weight kind of guy. And uh I think I've just managed to develop a really strong yes muscle over the last few years, which um more and more has enabled me to go on and doing do these things. So I guess to First of all, uh, put an umbrella over all of my or most of my long distance journeys. I've got this project called Expedition 1000. And the idea is to do 25 different journeys of a thousand miles or more. And each one uses a different form of non-motorized transport. And I came up with that after my second adventure, after the kayak journey down the Murray that I told you about. Mm -hmm. And it was merely to to give myself a long term focus And you'll notice that every single one of these trips is using a different form of non-motorized transport. So I literally played to my strengths and thought, right, I'm not going to become a master at anything. I'm going to fly straight into each one of these journeys. I'm not going to do any training. The first one week, two weeks of each adventure, I'm going to learn how to operate this form of transport or, um, you know, learn how my body works best in this situation. And then I'll just speed up. So... It's just been, it's, it was a revelation when I, when I came to the point where I, I cooked up this concept of Expedition 1000. The third journey I was on a tandem bicycle with my mate Seb and we rode 1400 miles in 14 days. And the first time we ever sat on a tandem bike was when we started the journey. We, li- <laughs> <laughs> we literally fell across the American border, the US border, and the guys were just looking at us thinking, this is ridiculous. They're, they're one, they, they won't even get to Washington let alone Vegas. But we did. We got to Vegas just fine. And then I, I stand up paddleboarded down the Mississippi River. And I think this is probably quite a good one to focus in on. I, I'd done a little bit of stand up before, maybe, you know, a, a couple of days. And then I found myself just 100 miles from the Canadian border, just putting in above Lake Itasca in Minnesota. And, you know, I knew I had three months of of this incredible mythical river ahead of me. And I just kind of imagined I was Huckleberry Finn, but standing, not sitting. I find he was lazy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was just the most beautiful, incredible experience. It was, it was really, really tough. I paddled for 82 days and over 2,400 miles, you know, all standing up, but that river just taught me so much, you know, it's rivers. I find, um, I, I, I love them as as a perfect rite of passage, partly because the people who live on rivers either love them or hate them. You know, there's a source of fear when you talk to so many people because, you know, just these stories of huge whirlpools and, you know, big barges, there's so many potential dangers. So when I started the Mississippi, I was, well, I was worried in the planning stages. I was worried about the alligators in Louisiana. I was worried about the barges. I was worried about the whirlpools, the wing dikes, portaging around the downs, absolutely everything, you name it. And then once I got on the river, it was just a case of, cool, man, I'm back at school. And it starts off at, as this two-meter-wide channel 
and it's one foot deep and slowly you scrape your way along that and there's overhanging trees and bushes and for the first 60 miles you're literally battling through undergrowth and then you pop out uh, into a lake at Bemidji and then you know it gets a bit wider and slowly every single section of that river prepares you for the next section and I, I really do think if there's two things, if you're absolutely lost in your next direction and you feel like a big change is coming in your life, but you just don't know what it is and you need, you need whether it's a rite of passage or a lesson or you need a journey, a travel experience, a challenge, do two things. Write a bucket list or call it a yes list or a life, yes, life list, whatever, whatever feels good. But write a list of things that just make you excited, things that you're passionate about, and then just start ticking them off. It becomes an addiction. And then paddle a river, paddle the Mississippi. I trust that once you get to the end, you will be a completely different person and you'll be ready for anything. By the time I popped out into the Gulf of Mexico, my body looked different, my hair looked different. I saw everything in a completely new light. I was so much more relaxed. And that calm kind of exterior that maybe I'd had before was was finally real for the first time in my life it teaches you patience to be on a river for that long Mm. and sure things are physically demanding they always are on an endurance challenge but if your body can move if you can lift a finger you can you can move it somehow you can move your body you can shift along but if you don't want to if you don't think that you're in it for the right reasons then you're going to break down it doesn't matter how fit you are it doesn't matter how physically capable you are So these journeys, one, teaches you that you can get past the most excruciating physical conditions and even uh, mental anguish. But also further down the line, you realize that you are more equipped to make good decisions about the next big targets and goals you're setting yourself because you realize that if you set yourself a goal that you know, maybe the outcome would be brilliant. You'd have an amazing, you know, story, some superb bragging rights. But if you don't really want to do it for the right reasons, when the time comes, when it's hard in the middle of this challenge, you're probably going to fail. Mm. So making those good decisions and having the capacity to do so, um, they're both born out of these adventures. Wow. Uh, Amazing. Really, really amazing. You know, it's interesting because as I'm listening to you talk about that, I think about, uh, you know, what I feel like when I get out of the water and I surf and there's a lightness to all of it. Uh, and, And that's part of why, you know, the habit of doing it as often as possible is something I've tried to cultivate because I realize that I show up in the world as a very different person when I'm surfing regularly. And if I haven't, it's very obvious. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think once you discover a habit like surfing that just makes you feel completely at one, not just with yourself, but, you know, with with nature, with the ocean. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And you realize that, gosh, you know, who were you before, before you had this beautiful healing mechanism? And I think the outdoors just has the ability to, to give that to us. And more and more, I think we're we're seeing a great deal of, of, of violence on a global scale, economic decline, lots of unhappiness, and people really struggling to make good decisions um, from, you know, in every echelon of society all the way up to government. And I think that's because more and more we are di- completely disconnected from society. People live on Facebook and, mm-hmm. and their phones. And, you know, the idea of going out and spending a night in a tent is scary you know so many people i meet i'm amazed when they've never spent a night outside it's uh it's it's stunning and i think as soon as you do you realize that wow there's nothing like it to to make you you know a nice creature mm-hmm. yeah yeah no doubt uh you know so so i have, I have a couple more questions in case you haven't figured out by now dave every time you tell me a story it's going to ask you know result in more questions uh <laughs> so you know one of the things uh, that I think is really fascinating. With so I have two questions around what you've just told me. Uh, one is is this idea of developing a yes muscle, which you seem to have, you know, really cultivated a capacity for. I mean, are there things that we can do, uh, you know, on a day to day basis? I mean, if we can't go, you know, paddleboard down down the Mississippi River, and and you know, we have life and we have responsibilities, and and you know, we have families and kids and bills to pay, and all the things, uh, you know, that we kind of vilify as trappings, but you know, sometimes necessary evils. I mean, are there things that we can do daily to cultivate this yes muscle? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I mentioned writing, writing a list. Mm -hmm. Um, 
however many responsibilities there are in life, if you've got time to uh, to execute them, if you like, then you've definitely got time to to holiday, time to dedicate to your hobbies, and you know, how, however much time uh, you you do, it, it completely depends on you, really. And I think. You know, by by becoming somebody who says yes, by being open to new possibilities, to open to your change, and also the benefits that that brings to the people around you. Um, you know, the more you do, the more passionate you get about life, and the more opportunities come your way, the more interesting things seem, the more excited you are about the next thing, which you don't even know exists yet, but you know it's just around the corner because you're used to saying yes now. I think if you if you get to the stage where you know you're just pretty much open to anything and you make these things happen purely by saying yes, you become a brilliant role model for the folks around you. You become a better father, a better husband, a better wife, a better work colleague, a better friend. And I think being the best possible person you can be is well. I don't think that's necessarily a bad goal for us all to have. So a list is is one thing, and then an open openness and an attitude to start you know, ticking off these items and actually being open and a little bit childlike with your passion about these things, just really go for it. I think also not taking yourself seriously. I think it's really important to take work seriously, Mm -hmm. especially if it's work that you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about your work, the other, the other side of it applies, you know, do it diligently until the time, time comes to actually go and spend your time better. Uh, But don't take yourself seriously. That way, nobody else can have a problem with you. Even if they do, then you know you don't take yourself seriously, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so uh, I think being able to you know cultivate that sense of humour uh, that I think is so important, um, especially if you're you know if you're open to so many different things, you are going to find yourself in situations where um, if you can't laugh, you'll cry probably. Mm-hmm. One of those for me was I, I was paddling down the Mississippi and I have, I have a few charities that I raise money for. And um, rather than just kind of asking for a, a flat donation, I, I asked people to dare me to do something on my expeditions in return for um, a donation. So usually the donation kind of matches the severity of the dare. And I call it Dare Dave. It's, it's really inventive. So I came into Memphis and uh, the guys from Graceland um, dared me to paddle for a day on my stand-up paddleboard out of Memphis uh, dressed as Elvis. <laughs> so, so I find my, the funny thing was it was Elvis week in Memphis when I, when I rocked up. So there was only one jumpsuit available and it was a triple extra large and, you know, I'm not the biggest guy. So I'm, I'm dressed up as Elvis in this, you know, I'd probably, you know, I should have had a few cushions under the jumpsuit, but I'm paddling, paddling out of Memphis. There's loads of people there. The, there's three news channels there. It's just hilarious. And I think a couple of years earlier, I would have really struggled with that, with that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have worried what people thought about me. I would, have, I would have been fretting about it for days afterwards. I never would have been able to show those news clips to people. But I absolutely revel in it now. I, I show the Elvis, Elvis paddleboarding clip at a lot of my talks, especially to kids. They love that stuff. Um, so, yeah, don't take yourself seriously. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, you know, it really slows down life and the best decisions that can be made. You know, I really appreciate that uh, because, yeah, we're we're really hard on ourselves. You know, when things don't go the way we want them to, when we have problems or, you know, we, we ship a project and it's a failure, we really are so hard on ourselves. And I, I really I love the idea of taking your work seriously, but not taking yourself so seriously, because then then it, it absolutely becomes a lot easier to navigate the difficult times in life. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, the other question I had around this is that you said, you know, as as we go through these journeys, our purpose and our mission and our sense of what we're trying to accomplish in the world evolves. Uh, and I can certainly relate to that. I mean, I did not start out with the aspirations of building what I have. Um, I plugged a microphone into a laptop and started talking to people. And here we are five years later. But you arrived at this conclusion of 25 different journeys of a thousand miles or more on, you know, non-motorized transport. And what I'm actually curious about is, um, you know, in the process of looking at our own creative journeys and the process of doing what we do, I mean, how do we connect the dots in such a way to lead us to these kinds of revelations? It's a really good question. And I, I think the answer only really comes when you when you truly know yourself. And for me, you know, regardless of what, uh, what part of society you feel like you fit into, if you do at all, I think a really beautiful way 
to begin to know yourself properly is to go on one of these adventures. I'm definitely not advocating that you quit your job and go and skateboard across Australia. You know, that's, I don't think that's recommended. <laughs> but the idea of really pushing yourself physically and mentally for a consistent period of time in pursuit of a particular goal with probably a good cause on the side, it teaches you so much about who you are and, and what you're capable of. So with that in mind, I think um, you start to understand what decisions you're willing to make and what compromises you're willing to make in return for your passions. You know, whatever decision you make, you have to compromise something. I don't, I don't have a home. I haven't done for five years. And I really struggled with that concept for five years after, after breaking away from my work in the first place. I felt like, you know, I, you have to have a home. You have to kind of work towards having a partner and then, you know, some kids. There's, there's a way to life and there are certain things that, however, you know, off-grid you live, there are certain things that, that we need as humans. And slowly I realized that I had to compromise having a house. Otherwise, I just simply couldn't afford to, you know, progress this career and adventure that really doesn't pay that well, mm -hmm. um, unless you're super, super lucky. But having that house meant I compromised my freedom. It compromised the ability to go off on these journeys that often. I, again, you know, had to start doing things that I didn't enjoy just for money. So I, I understood what it was that made me tick. I understood where I wanted to go, the skills I wanted to develop, where I wanted to be, how I wanted to live. And I also understood the things that I couldn't have, even if I wanted them, but they weren't quite so high up my list of priorities. And I think slowly as you form your core values and then you get challenged by opportunities that come your way, quite often I'm you know, offered you know, a good deal of money, which would be absolutely brilliant for me, but... Um, it's doing something that I wouldn't necessarily want to do, whether it's giving uh, a talk at a really boring corporate conference, um, which is halfway around the world. I don't really like flying that much um, versus, you know, being able to do something for free, which is just just down the road. And I know will make me feel so much better. Now I've got to the, the stage where um, unless I... Yeah, now I've got to the stage where I, I make the decisions based on what makes me feel happy. And I know that my values are completely set now. I, I'm, I'm sure they'll evolve a little bit, but it's got to the stage where I know what I'm good at. Uh, I know what I need and I'm not going to compromise that anymore. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's it's so interesting. You mentioned this idea of, you know, what you think you're supposed to do. You know, being 36 years old, um, in some ways I've felt that there's this clock ticking in which I'm supposed to be in a relationship. I'm supposed to have kids by now. Um, you know, all these things that I thought would have happened in my life and they haven't. And yet when I listen to you talk about that, I realize that, you know, I've made decisions and ultimately I've made decisions that are in line with my values or otherwise I wouldn't have made those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe if you think about how, how you felt in your early 20s or what you were thinking in your mid-20s, you were probably in a similar situation. It's really hard for us to be, um, you know, social creatures, as, you know, I think we both are, um, and not be affected by, by other people's views or what we read in the media or, you know, general consensus, however independent our choices are. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, now and then, yeah, I do have this kind of wavering doubt. And maybe it's just one of these mini dark patches we were talking about. And I'm thinking, man, I'm 34. I, I literally feel like some mornings I wake up and I'm looking over my shoulder for someone to, to work out that I've just been winging it for nine years, mm -hmm. you know. I, I guess on paper or rather on screen now, you know, I'm, I'm super successful. I've done loads of really cool things that people admire me for. Not that many people who see these things actually know me as a person, not that that seems to matter anymore, but you know, on the whole, I've, you know, I've just kind of, I really have winged it. I don't really plan things too far in advance. And some, somehow I've managed to make a career doing something I love. And still, sometimes I feel like, wow, is this really allowed? you know, is this normal? Uh, and, you know, at some point, is this, is this just going to dramatically fall on my head? And I think that, that doubt, and it, it almost leads to self-preservation. Um, and, and then, you know, by the end of the morning, I'm thinking, there is absolutely no way that I'd ever do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> no. I am with you. 
You know, I, I've had those exact same moments. I may have mentioned this on the air before I was with a friend and I said, I think this was just as recently as a month ago. I said, I think I've done irreversible damage to my life and my career. He said, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, to th- but I mean, I think that we all have that on some level, like it doesn't go away. It's just, yeah. you kind of look at it and you say, okay, you know what? That's just a story I've been telling myself. Totally. Totally. It's so funny. I, yeah, there is no way I could ever go and, you know, get a proper job now. <laughs> and I've, you know, I've said that out loud, you yeah. know, many, many times. So if, you know, if something end, ends up happening, if I get injured or something, and I'm really going to struggle to, you know, do what I have been doing, um, no one's going to employ me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so let me ask you this, and we'll, we'll start wrapping things up here. What, uh, you know, you've mentioned that you've got to do all the, I mean, you mentioned the book. I mean, obviously, I found you'd be a you know, video. Talk to me about some of the opportunities that have come about from this, you know, what your next adventure is, and then we'll wrap things up. Um, what opportunities have come from this? I, I found myself in a really nice situation now where I've probably given about, one and a half thousand motivational talks uh, to all different kind of demographics and groups of people over the past five, six, seven years. And, and it's become my living now. Um, and I love it. I, I really enjoy being able to get up on stage and not just share things that I'm passionate about, my own stories and lessons, but, but see the impact that it has with people. And I think my, my mission's now uh, more and more centre around helping folks, whether they're, you know, singular people or or small groups to develop their mindset and and the courage to go and make those big decisions those big changes with or without a skateboard that you know really is going to set them on on track to being the brilliant person that they could be at the same time you know i've i've only done 10 of these big journeys and um I've got 15 left you know i look back at all the experiences that i've had from the, these first 10 and uh, you know, I realize I've barely even started. And that's really humbling. It, it's great. It just keeps my feet on the ground and just makes me realize that there's, you know, a huge road to travel um, until I get to the end of this project. And then probably even by the time I get to the end of the project, that's just the beginning. Um, so I'm not really beholden to, you know, trying to tick off too many expeditions each year just so I can finish Expedition 1000. It's there to give me a bit of focus and you know, if I ever feel like I'm lacking focus, then I'll just start planning a new expedition. And talking of new expeditions, I've I've kept things completely open this summer purposefully. It's been a, quite a spontaneous year. So in April, I I got on a tricycle with a sail and crossed the Atacama Desert in Chile. And um, just as that was beginning, I was asked to give a talk at the end of April in southern Germany at this show for recumbent bicycles. And I agreed. Six days after finishing a thousand mile journey across the driest place on the planet, I flew from Chile to Germany and realized I was in the midst of this non-motorized transport show. Mate, it was heaven for me. And I realized there was no way I could fly home from that back to the UK. So I asked people on my Facebook to pick a mode of transport available at the show that I should ride a thousand miles back home on. And just having even that decision taken away from me was beautiful and liberating you know folks on social media really got into it and it was kind of fun in that way that they had you know the ultimate decision on how I was going to basically put myself through all kinds of pain over the next three weeks but being able to just kind of let them dictate the route and everything just made me realize that you know however much pressure there seems to be externally to kind of go one up on your on your last expedition to make things bigger and better each time for me i don't feel that at all you know i've kind of wavered i've gone from breaking the world distance record on a skateboard to just riding a tandem bike with a mate across the nevada desert and then you know i've done the world's longest stand-up paddleboard journey and then i just sailed a couple of thousand miles across the pacific with another 10 people i didn't even know how to sail and then I swam a thousand miles without even knowing how to swim when I jumped into the Missouri River. And then, you know, I'm just going to go and do another little thousand miles on a trike. So, you know, it's I, I think, again, the key is I just love having an adventure in a new place. And you could travel the same road, you know, again and again and again in a different way at a slightly different time. And you'd have a different experience um, around each corner, no matter whether the, the geography was the same. And I just like that openness to an adventurous life. I 
can't wait for the next one, which is going to start in two weeks. So I'm going to, I think, travel 2,300 kilometers around the Swedish coastline. And uh, I'm not even sure how I'm going to do it yet, but I just know it's going to be epic. Amazing. Really, really amazing. Well, Dave, um, I'm going to wrap things up with my uh, final question. Uh, this is how we close all our interviews uh, at The Unmistakable Creative. You know, you've been at this for nine years, so you've probably seen your fair share of interesting things uh, in the world and on the Internet. And, you know, I'm curious, uh, based on your own experiences and your life, what is it that you make, do you think makes somebody or something unmistakable? Wow, that's a really good question. I think complete originality and not bowing to social demands. I think, um, you know, however much I'll, you know, almost resent putting a video out about, you know, just an epic journey that took me months and months of planning and execution and changed me in irrevocable ways. I know that a video of a windsurfing squirrel is always going to get more hits on YouTube. And just being able to be content with that and just be myself throughout everything, you know, get a job to make films about luxury hotels, but still shamelessly put, put photos on Instagram of me uh, taking a clean bin bag out and, and filling it with breakfast just so I don't have to pay for my lunch. That's me. And I think, <laughs> I think the most important thing we can do in our lives is understand exactly who we are and not go through it with any pretense whatsoever. And, yeah, I think that's unmistakably me. That's probably my 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 best lesson. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Dave, uh, you know it's funny. Like I said, I I knew when Yana sent me your video, I thought you know this guy has got to have a hell of a story, and this is something we need to hear. Um, there was something about it that just drew me into it, and I I you know I I've said before on the air that I have developed an intuitive sense for when we have something that is really going to strike a chord, and I think you have done that. So. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with our listeners uh, here at The Unmistakable Creative. Mate, thanks so much for having me. It's been the most enjoyable hour of my month. Awesome. And uh, for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. You've been listening to The Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.